But that's kind of the best thing yeah. all about today for me is, again, there being an alternative for yeah. not just recently. And I'm not one of those guys who are like, oh, the product sucks and anything. But like my whole life, like being a wrestling fan is having to, to defend yourself for a bunch of people who don't understand why you right. watch wrestling. And then sometimes having to defend it to yourself when you're watching a product that you're like, this is sexist. This is racist. This is homophobic. It's a product that seems like it doesn't like me. Like, right. you know, right, right. so why do I like it so much? And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. Grapple fans, it's time once again for us to open up our minds, open up our mouths, and open up our hearts to another dose of professional wrestling discussion. And for the 200th time, you're being greeted by myself, Lorcan Mullen, and my Let Me Tell You Something co host, Simon Cross. I didn't get a party blower thing. I feel no. like I should have now. No, I should have done he's an X to my Y as well, but I didn't prep and I'm not gonna. So, Simon, this is the 200th of these. Sometime in 2014, I think it was. Well, it must have been 2014. We started doing these little chats. Little amusements for ourselves and for whatever listeners we could gain. And here we are now, six years on. Patreon starting. Weekly show releasing. Match of the week and five star and let me tell you something commenting. Are we older? Yes. Are we wiser? That's up for debate. But what are we still, Simon? We're still wrestling fans. <laughs> For our sins. For our sins. Also still not married, both of us. Still not without children. But, you know, let's not let's not dwell on that. Let's not say if one causes the other. Correlation's not necessarily causation. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to get onto that rant about how they're barometers of success or not. We don't have time for that. <laughs> no, we don't. But what we do have time for, about an hour of time, is to discuss why we are still wrestling fans. And this is on several different levels. <laughs> I feel it's a question my gran has asked me quite recently. <laughs> or my mum. <laughs> well, I mean, it's something I've always uh, put... It's been in the, the show. It's uh, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. It's in the book. One of my theories as to why a lot of grown men and women are still into certain things that a lot of other people would frown upon them for still being into is for us to feel like we have an emotional connection to that little child that we were at some point you know be it through football be it through um, dancing or music or movies or you know or Star Trek or Star Wars and for us, I mean, one of the several, because I think maybe the sign of increasingly with this generation is that we're allowed many of those things. Maybe too many of those things. Um, too many things. Too many, many things. Yeah. I'm down with the kids. 
that's that's just the theory, man. I don't know. Do you subscribe to that, Simon, or do you think it's just it's it's bunkum? <clears throat> I do. I do. You do um, think it's bunkum? Well, bunkum. No, you. no. Sorry. All right. No, I I know. I do subscribe to that theory. Um. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of those vices. Here we are in the year of our Lord 2020, and in terms of like my video gaming habits, I've certainly like travelled back ten years in time with uh, Call of Duty Warzone being out. And I, I was saying this point in relation to Warzone to someone I played with the other day. It's like it is like stepping back in time. We found a way. Hey, <laughs> it does take you away from you know everything because. Let's put aside 2020 as a year for a split second. Being an adult is hard. It's a lot harder than it's made out to be when you're a child. You think, oh, being an adult be mint. I get to like do what I want. I don't know. I think adults like to moan a lot about how shitty it is compared to you. Like, these are the best days of your life and all that sort of stuff. I don't necessarily subscribe adults, to that. Adults, you know, some do. But like, if you look at TV, like how it presents... Like children's TV, how it presents being an adult is like this, like wacky adventure. It's like all oh, growing up's a journey to being an adult, and then you get there and you realise there's so much mileage left. Everything's starting to ache. Got to make standing orders. It's all sorts of stuff. Bills turn up. Yeah, you got to like you know make this pension decisions and what have you, and that's dull. <laughs> Life admin is dull. So why not have? you know, escapism, and you're right, due to resources such as the internet, we have so much more access to, like, all of our childlike vices, and I could take a vice from your childhood and discover it in, like, a heartbeat, because it's out there, it'll be uploaded to YouTube, like a children's TV show you watch growing up, or some mad 80s game show that you can now watch, ironically, Cough Bullseye, for example. Yeah, I know what you mean. We, We were talking about how, um, What's so weird now is so many of the things that were big when we were kids never went away or they keep coming back. You know, like, my my cousin's kids, the daughter loves Friends, the TV show, and the son loves The Lion King and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How are, how old are they, sorry, roughly? 28 years old they are. No, uh, one... <laughs> The, the the daughter is nine and the son I think is seven. It's it's odd. We we've, we've been allowed to keep these things up and there's less of a social stigma to them. There's still a social stigma. But maybe the stigma is more in the behaviours than the actual being into these things. Like, you know, it the biggest films in the world now are based on superheroes. There yep. was a time in the 70s where the biggest film of all time was The Godfather, or it was The Exorcist, which is a genre in itself. But, you know, highfalutin, populist. But then Star Wars comes along, and Close Encounters, and Jaws, and pop culture suddenly becomes dominant in, in so many different forms. Not just in music, but in films, and you get the blockbusters after that. And then it seems like we've never gone beyond... We were talking, I was talking about this to a friend... The Matrix and the Fast and the Furious movies are really the last franchises to be built from original concepts made specifically for the cinema. Everything that's been a huge hit since then is either based on other media, other books, other comics, 
older movie franchises. Video games? Video games sometimes, but rarely, like, successfully. Yeah. But everything is, is being repackaged all the time. You know, like, there have been new versions of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles come out of the cinema, and they're going to do a new version of the new version coming up at some point. <laughs> I, I think they want... They want Seth Rogen involved in it or something. Right. And, like, you know, films like Mary Poppins 2, like, for example. Rocky in 1975, and then you got Creed 2 in 2018 or something like that. And it's not like some of these things didn't already exist. Obviously, we're about to get another Bond film, you know, after the first one came out in 1962. But my point is that, I mean, it's even like Bill and Ted 3, which is fun, but it's like... I don't think anyone was... Gagging for it. Begging for another Bill and Ted, you mm. know? I, I don't see who... There was a great uh, movie Bob video, I remember, where he was talking about like the ten films I'm least looking forward to of one year, and one of them was Pirates of the Caribbean 5. And he just waits for eight... Usually he's got like a long spiel and he talks really fast, but instead he just paused for ten seconds and just said, Who asked for this? And a lot of what you're looking at, I find, in popular culture, I am just like, who's asking for this? Who's asking for Twilight from Edward Cullen's perspective? Accountants. Yeah, but I don't think it's something the general public cares about. It's like it's like, it's like when I went and saw the Han Solo movie. And first of all, it was like, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> But it was like the whole the whole point of that movie was to say, yeah, Han did shoot first. Like that's the lesson of the film. Mm. Han shot first. So like, so much of pop culture is like ultimately in like an Ouroboros eating its own tail. Like there is outside of Deadpool, there is no more self-referential movie out there now than Star Wars. Like it seems like we're getting loads of films coming out now where the central premise is, wasn't that film? Great. Yeah. And here's a film to remind you of that film. And so we're going to bring all this into wrestling because I think a lot of wrestling now is self reflexive. And a lot, especially a lot of the WWE in recent years, has been, wasn't the Attitude Era great? Like, they can't wait for a moment to talk about that, you know? Yeah. It seems like wrestling itself is like, it's so fascinating that it seems like wrestling. Is constantly referring back to itself as well. Like the biggest example being the heel authority figure, really. Like WWE are massively like <laughs> guilty of this, but other federations have done it as well. It's obviously Vince McMahon versus Stone Cold Steve Austin was awesome. No one, very few people can reach that echelon and execute that that well in that time with that kind of audience watching. It's all about the timing and the desire for things and, and, and it hitting at the right moment because like one of the fundamental things I'm going to talk about in, in this... Because uh, whilst we're talking about why we're still wrestling fans, it's on, it's on a two-level thing. One of which is why do we still love this art form or why are we still... Because sometimes you wonder if some of the people that follow it and are prominent voices on it online, if they even like what they're talking about anymore. Or it's just what they know. Or it's just all that they know. It's like their identity. But the other one is like on a moral front, like which we'll delve into as time goes on in this episode, with our limited uh, area of um, experience in what some of these issues that have come to the forefront in recent times, weeks and months, and and even years, years. decades. But that's the thing. It's like it's really from 
I guess from Owen's death, it sort of went hand in hand. That almost you almost had to have a gallows humor to to be into wrestling. It was like I mean I remember I think it was the Chris Benoit one. Oh God! When Edge did his thing to the camera, and he just said, "I'm fed up of doing these." It was like literally they had like a default format, just like how they mm. have like a default format for how they film raw or how they present wrestlers or how they structure matches like they knew how to do the morning episode as in morning yeah. with you and it was like well something needs to be done about this and some stuff was done some stuff wasn't i mean we do have fewer uh premature deaths at this point than we did before which was kind of almost blunted some of john oliver's points as the show was going on about about at least about wrestling deaths but what? But what well, maybe fun- that's like a lot of that herd, that generation have just died, and like yeah. we're over the peak of it. Yeah. Well, now it's reaching the point where they're starting to die of natural causes anyway. You know, like Mean Gene dying was sad, but it wasn't like he was taken before his time or anything. Or like, that. like OD'd on muscle relaxants. Yeah. Or- yeah. Or even Dusty Rhodes, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, uh, figures like that. Considering his frame, he, yeah, he, he had a good exactly. innings. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the biggest shock in the world when he passed. One thing you've got to reconcile yourself with if you're going to be a wrestling fan that, fo- especially if you're going to be a wrestling fan that follows the WWE. This is a premise I've constantly gone back to on this show, and it's one that I literally would like to build a series around when we talk about different series ideas. I feel like we could discuss this man if we're going to discuss this man deep. We should spend a whole year talking about him, Vince McMahon is fundamentally, when you weigh it up, a bad person. Bad people can do good things. He's done plenty of stuff for charities and stuff and like that. But at his fundamental moral core, I think he's a man that doesn't have a morality and ethics that cut the mustard, as far as I'm concerned. It, that makes you a, a good... As, as, as far as I can pass judgment on what a good or a bad person is, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's like, there are sm- uh, besmirches against, besmirches? There are like marks against his re- his name. Um, Some a lot worse than I think people like to talk about. You could look at his like business ventures and the fact that, I saw a good point um, on Reddit the other day that Vince McMahon is not a good businessman. Um, he's a man who has all of the such a head start and all of the assets and all of the bells and whistles in his field that he doesn't have to be good. I I would disagree with that up to a point. I think what Vince is, is one of the greatest promoters of all time. I think he's definitely the greatest wrestling promoter of all time. But for his complex persona, that's not good enough. In many ways, it drives him crazy that that's all he is. The greatest wrestling promoter of all time. There was that quote he had when he was on the Stone Cold podcast, um, when Ted Turner called him up. was like, I'm in the wrestling business. He's like, well, we're not in the same business because I'm in the entertainment business. He wants to be a multi... He wants his entertainment empire to be multifaceted. That's the thing that's funny. Like, to everyone outside of Vince, the Monday Night War was always Vince McMahon against Eric Bischoff. In Vince's head, it was always Vince McMahon against Ted Turner. Because Vince wants to be Ted Turner. He wants the, like you say, the the multimedia empire. And he tried it with football. He tried it with bodybuilding. He tried it with boxing. He tried it with uh, everything 
like you know WWE's movies. He's he's still trying it. Yeah, well, but that's all relates to the wrestling. I mean, he would like you know he wants to be a movie mogul. He wants mm. to be all those things. He he wants to have been Rupert Murdoch and Ted Turner. That's what he wanted to be, and he never was, and he never will be. And that will ultimately be what makes him feel like that. And, and the other thing is, and I remember saying this, and and this is this is kind of like. If I was to encapsulate what the WWE is, I think it was during the uh, Kurt Angle, Jason Jordan reveal. Yeah. I said, what we've got to realise with the WWE is that we've spent the past 35 years watching a man trying to come to terms with his daddy issues. That's what the WWE is. But also, what's what I want to get back to the wrestling fan part, because like I said, we'll, we'll put, a, put a pin in that and we'll talk about Vince at length on a future podcast. But that's yeah. like the fundamental thing you've got to deal with right there. It's like, the thing that we're into, we're into through the promotion and the targeting of us by a man who's, who I don't view favourably in general. True. And I have to come to terms with that. It's like when you find, you know, it's like finding out your favourite footballer is not a nice person or maybe much worse. What is weird though as well with the... Especially in this period now with the Wednesday Night Wars or whatever you're going to call them, and the Twitter fan bases, it, it feels like the the uh, actually this is the other point I'll make about Vince McMahon. Uh, watching Vince McMahon is as close as you get to watching a, a dictatorship that has little in the way of direct bloodshed. Yeah, they want to they want to own history. They want to own the narrative. They want to own everyone. And what is odd when you look at people online is that how many there are out there that want to follow that narrative you know and you'll see them those sorts of personalities as well at rallies wearing red hats you know it, it it's that weird cult of not even personality but that that defining yourself so much in in someone it's like the first bit of feedback i think we ever got from a random person on twitter was for the episode that we did about the miss and the person that tweeted us about it was like Miz Fan One Hundred Two or something like that, and like their profile picture was the Miz. They described themselves on their profile as number one Miz fan, and I think they're like just every tweet is like about almost every tweet is a retweet about the Miz or something. And I find that so fascinating that people out there will define themselves not even just to one thing, but like one character or something like that. It's like you know. It's like I've never, ever, ever, ever understood why people go apeshit over Boba Fett, but, you know, now we've got the Mandalorian. I guess we always are looking for ways to define ourselves, and some people do it through through a flag, some people do it through a particular part of pop culture. And, and, and I think also one of the things that worries me about when I reflect on myself is how many of the things that I love are loved by assholes that I want nothing to do with. Mm. You know, like pro wrestling, football... Rick and Morty. Anything, really. The movie Fight Club. Game just of like Thrones. This. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm that big, I was never that big a fan of Game of Thrones. But Sorry, I'm speaking I know what, I know what you mean, it's just that there are, there, there's a, there's a toxicity out there, but it's that worry of like, is there something in me that gravitates to these things that assholes do too, so does that mean I'm fundamentally an asshole as well, you know? No. No, what it means... I, and... I think some listeners will disagree. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few things I want to extrapolate on from um, what what you've said there. So, um, first things first is like, 
you've mentioned the Wednesday Night Wars, and when people ask me why I'm still a wrestling fan, one of the key cornerstones of my answer would be is I've learned there's a whole much bigger world out there. Because obviously I grew up, by the time I was of like teenage age, WCW had been killed. Um, and I, it was just WWE. That's, that was the only big thing growing up. And I had a brief flittance with TNA, but I didn't have like great accessibility issues. I, I didn't have great accessibility back then to um, TNA and what have you. So it was always the E. And it was like, well, I like wrestling. This is the wrestling. I have to like this. <laughs> I have to watch this. I have to like stick by this and hopefully it gets good. Um, this is the year of our Lord 2020 is the year I've watched the least WWE in a long, 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 long time. And I, I think that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah. Ratings would suggest as much. Yeah. And obviously there's external factors in that. But even prior to that, I don't miss it. I don't. There's a big wide world of wrestling out there. And... Well, that also helped. The, the the previous year as well was when you did the five star athon. Yeah. So that must have contributed. That that was what well. again I've said before. That was one of the big reasons I wanted to do that, and it's achieved it achieved its objective. What the problem is when you're asked the question, "Why are you still a wrestling fan?" More often than not, you're asked by non wrestling fans, and that they only see the E. Or, if you're in Britain, obviously, it's like Wildersport, Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks if you're talking to older people. But that's it. In their their frame of reference is those two things. And wrestling is so much more than that. There's so much out there. Like, and touch when it comes back. But prior to this, the COVID, uh, there was was a smorgasbord of options. I think what it is as well is that it... Like you say, it's the availability. If you look at the people that would have known ITV Wrestling and Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks, they could only get an hour of it a week. That's all they can get. So it's a lot harder to define yourself by something you can literally only watch for an hour every week. But if you can, after you've watched WWE, go on Twitter and there'll be loads of wrestlers that have tweeted about what just happened. There'll be loads of fans that tweeted about what just happened. If you're a figure four online subscriber, you can go on, listen to Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer and, and other people discuss it immediately after. And that's not just with wrestling. It's one of the things I always said, like, I've never... This season is the first season, basically, since I was a kid and it was just a thing you did at the start of the season. I'm gonna maybe give a crack at fantasy football. Because I know that I have the personality that I could become obsessed with it, or I could give it up within a few few moments, within a few weeks. I don't know which way it will go. Same reason I've never played football manager or championship manager. (laughs) As as a man who religiously plays those, don't (laughs) unless you're willing to like accept that it will eat some some of your life away. Don't do it. I don't think I don't think I'm of the extremes of some of those people. I remember watching a documentary about football manager and you know there were guys that were saying when they qualified for the FA Cup final for the first time they got dressed in a suit and played the whole match out for 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah, those Simon's those, doing those shifty guys eyes. It's a shame. Yeah. Uh, I've done another, it. Another one I, heard I have done it. I given, have done it. I heard someone was given a touchline ban. And so what they decided to do was create, like, a raised chair so that they could only watch the monitor. For well, it wasn't even a raised chair. It was a stepladder. A stepladder, yeah. 
And he wore an earpiece as well, like Phil Brown. It was beautiful. Like, and he hide in the laundry basket as well. What else was he doing? Uh, and this is it. To, to you, to an outsider, that's mental. To someone who's inside the football manager's sphere, it's just like fun. It's just, fu- it's just mindless, simple yeah. fun. I don't think it's mental. It's understandable, especially in these eras of accessibility. Um, you're allowed to define yourself by those things from a young age and you don't have to necessarily give them up. Uh, maybe if you want to get laid, it might help to <laughs> put it down every once in a while. But that's not even that's not even a, an issue in, necessarily. If someone else swipes right, eventually, you might have a chance. Um, but it's, it, it's that weird... Like, you're part of a community, but also I think there's there's a greater sense of loneliness now than there's ever been before. On top of things, um, oh, do you mean in like, um, within like fanships or within society? Fan, in general? Fandoms and everything. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it was. I think I've become a lot more down on it culturally. Um, it happened a couple of years. Well, was it a couple of years ago? Maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah, about a year and a half ago. Uh, a friend of mine does a. I think it also doesn't help that a friend of mine does these. Has a website that sells like nerd based ephemera. Like lunch boxes, t-shirts, Christmas jumpers with novelty. Like um, I can't even remember what the Christmas puns are, but Star Wars Christmas puns and Wonder Woman Christmas jumpers and 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 everything else on top of it. And he asked me to write up a little product description for these jackets. That were based on what the Avengers wear in Endgame when they go back in time. The white one, the white jumpsuits. The white jumpsuits that are a little bit based on, that kind of based on Ant Man's costume, but they're all wearing it, and it's like got the Avengers crest on it and everything like that. I had no, I don't think any trailers have come out at that point, but I've seen all the MCU films. I'm, I'm fascinated by them. There's again, there's like a detachment to it, and we'll get to that as well with wrestling. I just was able to put two and two together. Like, if you saw Ant-Man and the Wasp, you knew certain things were going to happen involving the quantum realm. And so I put in, like, a little pun about quantum things. Or I just made up a few random posts that looked like they were sort of alluding to things that might happen in the film, but I had not no, I'd no greater idea than anyone else. I had a lot less of an idea compared to a lot of the people that get obsessed about this thing. And that was what was... And what made, drove me... Uh, not crazy, but what I don't know. I don't know what the reaction was. It's always been like uh, maybe maybe this is what sanguine is, um, but it, it was reported on like news outlets, like movie news outlets that I was aware of and sometimes used. Reported your product description. Reported my product description, and we're going through words that I knocked up in like a couple of minutes with a fine tooth comb. It, like, had its own YouTube videos of guys, and it's, like, web, you know, YouTube channels, like, MCU Unleashed or something <laughs> like that. Right. And just this idea, this little thing I knocked up in, like, one, two minutes or something, took up, some for some people, hours of their lives. Trying and to it, find meaning in this, like, greater... Trying to find meaning in it. ...thing that the core, greater cause that they yeah. sort of, like, devoted it's themselves like, to. It's like when it's a weird, weird way to compare to compare myself to him. But it's like whenever 
someone like David Bowie or Bob Dylan clearly is just bemused by the f- the 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 image that they have in the eyes of everyone. Like if you look at Bob Dylan in all those press conferences in the nineteen sixties where he's being asked for his opinion on everything and was seen as this great prophet. And he didn't... He saw it all as the joke that it was. He kind of knew who he was. And this version of him that everyone else had was just hilarious to him. Now, he cultivated it himself in different ways. But it was just to be a rock star, not to be anything else. It's like when you... Or when you see little... So with David Bowie, there's cool little montages of him just sort of undermining everything that people say is important about him and saying you're you're the, you know you're this figure of everything and he's like no I'm not no I'm not or just go oh yeah I'm the chameleon of rock and roll I am because you know what I say cha-cha-cha changes <laughs> so hero worshipping doesn't I don't understand it you know I like to delve deep into things and understand things but I don't but then sometimes I think if it's a waste of misdirected energy i used to joke that if i took all the if i took all the knowledge i have about film trivia sports trivia uh wrestling information you know like title histories and you know all that sort of stuff and instead built it all around biology or chemistry i could be contributing towards a vaccine right now (laughs) that would help the world you know what i mean it's like I sometimes I sometimes worry where these imagine if people took these passions and desires and put it towards something that could help people. Yeah. Well, to point to football manager, I probably have logged enough hours now to have a pretty decent coaching badge if you add up all the years of FMs I've played. Like it's interesting what you say there about like, you know, and I think that's why I was able to get detached from the WWE quite quickly as well. Yeah. Like the... I said I kind of stopped caring about WWE fully. When I got into Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor was probably as close as I got to being like obsessed with one thing and not, yeah. not seeing the faults in it. But even then, I kind of got over that. Well, what you're talking quickly. about there is obviously rose-tinted glasses. and um... Well, it wasn't in that moment, because that's, that's nostalgia. Well, there's that Bojack Horseman line. It's like when you're wearing rose-tinted uh, glasses, all the red flags look like flags. Sometimes in wrestling, there's a little bit... You, you forgive stuff because it's giving you moments of enjoyment. Women haven't really featured on this show in quite a while in any meaningful manner. Or a lot of white guys are getting a push. Or, okay, like I have to deal with this bit to get the bit I want. And maybe down the line my guy gets rewarded. Or X or Y. Or, you know, there's there's a lot of, yeah, but, you know, we get this. Even though the main event isn't that good, we get this like third match with my guy who's like gets like a little bit of time. But why can't we just watch the third match and then turn it off? That's what I do. I think there's some standing um, to quote like a new term with that. There's a need I feel with wrestling. I think because it's perceived as it has a perception amongst non wrestling fans of. For kids. Um, despite the fact things are more acceptable now with the internet and we're able to find like minded people more easily, hence why you're listening to us now. Sorry about this. <laughs> <laughs> but by and large, like when you're out in the public domain, if someone said, Oh, that guy's a wrestling fan, and then like you get asked some like tired questions or you get asked that you all get told all that fake stuff, it's like Right. I don't really get that anymore. But I don't... 
Uh, but I don't really talk to people about wrestling anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I don't need to. This is it. Uh, so, I mean, I've always been curious if I got into, like, a long-term serious relationship. When would you would tell rest- Would wrestling go away from my life, or would I try to get them into it? You know? Mm. Well, uh, in one of my previous long-term relationships, she did get into it a little bit for a while, but... It just wasn't for her. And she, Did lot, you get into anything that she was into? I've picked up like habits and stuff. Um, I think there is a show. I couldn't name it off the top of my head. But she like she got me to watch stuff I wouldn't normally watch and did quite appreciate. So, like, it's more like films than like a, an actual like thing or like a series. But yeah, it was a two-way street. So to get back to what I was talking about, about the whole thing of emotional detachment. One of the things I think is, is really... It's worth talking... Actually, I'll start off with this story. Uh, I think it was Richard Herring that said it. That he was watching footage from, like, the World Subutio Cup Final. Something like that. Was he down a YouTube wormhole? Maybe. People who dedicated their lives to something that seems odd to the rest of us. Have you ever seen the documentary King of Kong? Yes. Yeah. That's the same sort of thing. And if if anyone here hasn't, go do it. It sort of explains perfectly, like, how people get obsessed about something. And how little ecosystems are formed. She saw a match of Sabutio M with someone flicking like the score winning goal, maybe it was a penalty shootout or something. And just yelling out, Justice! <laughs> and so there's like obviously a long many chapter filled story behind that. <laughs> And what it is, is that if you get any... That's why I can pretty much get into any sport. I can pretty much watch any sport. Because you're seeing people um, who train so hard get into the peak of their prowess towards something that is fundamentally quite a strange thing to do. You know, I've always wondered how the hell does someone get into pole vaulting? <laughs> and how does someone prep for it? And how do you describe that as a way that you lived your life? And I'm not judging, man. There's, you know... Paul Walters have done a whole lot more with their lives than I have with mine. Um, and it's it's because if you dry, the people that will excel at that thing must have something that's maybe a little bit off with them in some way, shape or form that makes the dynamics between them um, and the personalities that are drawn to them fascinating, you know? Like, I think there's a reason that someone... That, that, Ronnie O'Sullivan is both a genius but also a very complex man with many with many weird facets to him. You either are completely personality less or you are a, a you know a complete a different personality but there are always personalities within sport. When sports are at their most popular are usually when they're telling these great stories, you know. It's like Barry Hearn said in the 80s, the reason that snooker was so huge back then is that it was Dallas with balls. It was all these different eccentric characters, Dennis Taylor, Willie Thorne, Cliff Thorburn, Steve Davis, Alex Higgins, uh, Jimmy White. And they all had their own unusual looks, eccentricities and personalities. And that was what made it so fascinating to watch. That's what made that's what one of the things that made tennis so great to watch has been these four dominating personalities in the men's game of Andy Murray and um, Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer and uh, Rafa Nadal. Motor, you know, uh, Formula One racing rivalries with like Damon Hill and Michael Schumacher or Lewis Hamilton and Alonso. Senna Prost. Or in uh, tennis, not not even not even a winner. 
But the way the British people follow Tin Henman... Yeah. Yeah, the, the, what, what it is, it forms narratives around it and obsessions with it. But also, it, it creates... So because there's, 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 you know, people who dedicate their lives to it, that makes it so many multifacets to it. It's like, why do so many wrestling fans give a shit about ratings? Both match ratings and TV ratings. Why should we care? And is it that thing of, because we get older and we need to justify being into it, we need to gain some sort of level of expertise? You know, um, well, I think if you're into anything for a long time that you're passionate about, you will want to learn more about it naturally. I don't think it's I don't think that's a defense mechanism against the outside world. Uh, I think um, you going into the minutia is a byproduct of loving it for so long. But people can get into people go to the movies every week. But there's a difference between the people that go to see a movie and there's the people like me that go. To see <laughs> I, I, yeah, you beat me to it, like you. Yeah. And have and have you know watched video essays about editing and story structure and and those sort of things. Who who are who are looking to watch a whole. I always wonder when I when I tell you I've seen a recent film when I give my opinion on it and you're like, well, or yeah. I always yeah. wonder how it will like I go. Can, yeah, I can I can bore plenty of my friends who just make a light allusion to something about a movie and I can very quickly reel off a lot of information, whether they want to hear it or not. <laughs> the British Bulldog's going to win, whether he wants to or not. Palmy's in on the joke, and, and that's kind of the reason for it. Because I remember at one point, I think I've told you this one before, I've probably said this story, uh, I was reading that the symptoms to Asperger's Syndrome, and as I was doing it, around my friends they were all just laughing harder and harder as it sounded like i was describing myself in so many different ways the main one being we'll talk for ages about subject matters that obsess him without necessarily noticing whether anyone around cares or not so something along those lines you know and that was their joke about wrestling. And whilst I can do it, I'm, I'm always aware that Nyron's into it, but I try to make it interesting or things. Like, there's a friend of mine, like, my friend that, that runs that business, sometimes I will tell him stuff about the business side of wrestling, which he will find interesting. Yeah. From, from a businessman's perspective, you know? But it's like, you can get into... Like, it's weird, how the, do world, you... how the world works is fascinating, yeah. you know? If you're into politics, it's more that you're into the um, history... And the personalities behind it that you are into fucking uh, systems waste disposal like, processes, yeah, yeah. you know that's politics. You know, like there was a moment in Boris Johnson's uh, campaigning for the election. It was just someone saying about, "Oh, there's dog muck in the park over there." That's what politics is to most people on on a fundamental granular level. That's what most of actual politics is. What we want to talk about is the House of Cards, and that's what I think attracts a lot of people into it anyway, that they want to be part of that game. That, that You know, I, I always think that people, like, especially like Michael Gove, thinks he's some fucking Machiavelli genius, and that, and that what politics ultimately is to people like him and Boris Johnson is a wheeze, a game, to see who can get to the top. There's a reason that Michael Gove fucking loves Game of Thrones, because he thinks he's Tyrion when he's... You know, he'd be lucky if he was Hodor. You know? Yeah. Um, you get where I'm coming from. I, d- I do, those... I do. Do you find... And this is weird, because 
I can't exactly say I'm not, I wasn't obsessed when I didn't, you know, I spent thousands of pounds to fly across the world to watch some wrestling once. But that wasn't, that wasn't to, like, talk about TV ratings or everything. That was, no, that was, no, to, see, that but... was to see a show. That was, like, as close to being, like, the old fan. You know what I mean? Yes and no. Like that's, that's a, weirdly, that's a more healthy thing in a weird way. That's a healthier way to be a wrestling fan than it is to, you know, listen to discussions about TV ratings and quarter quarter hour ratings and and say whether, and arguing over whether something's a four and three quarter star match or a four and a half star match. Well, right? yeah, and I, well, we've said we've said before that arguing about the minutia of ratings is a waste. It's broadly a waste of time. But we spent a whole year doing it. Yes, that's that's whilst 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 criticizing it at the same time, but we were part of it, you know. And we, were we part accept of the problem, that. not the solution, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it is I think my yeah, it's my most expensive holiday to date. Um, it is still like you know when I told people I was going to do it because uh, obviously I had to book it off of work at the time. I was like, oh, what are you going out for? This, and they're like. Right, okay. Um, I've ended up in a few places just being known as the wrestling guy. Um, or like, you know, like, and it, it has uses. Sometimes I don't know about events and someone's heard from like their mate's cousin or whatever. And it's like, oh, you'd like this. It's like, oh, cool. Sometimes it's like, you know, they, they sometimes they just come out with like the tired stuff, like the little jokes and what have you. The whole homophobic thing about being a wrestling fan. Um, well, that yeah. that that that's a tired, tired old trope that needs to die in a fire. It's so funny. I was talking about that, especially yeah. because a lot of these people that do it watch MMA, and there is pretty much no difference in how they're dressed. Well, that's always the ultimate irony of it, isn't it? The most masculine men are probably afraid of something within themselves that they don't want to admit to, um, and this things like that. And Fight Club a release, you know, and that's what Fight Club was parodying. The problem is that a lot of people that are into it didn't get the parody parts, you know. But that's not just like a masculine thing. I always think that um, when you look at Mean Girls, for an example, of a great film from the noughties that obviously has much more cultural attachment, usually towards a, a female audience than a male audience. I always see Mean Girls as kind of like the female Fight Club in that it's hugely popular. But I think a lot of the people that love it don't necessarily love it for the right reasons. It's like, I think a lot of people want to be Regina George, just like a lot of people want to be Tyler Durden, without realising that they're the villain of the piece. Or not admitting to themselves that the one that they want to be is the villain. Um, And so, that's where, I, th- I think we'll, we'll bring that to it. It's like, so we've talked about it on like a personality level, and I'm not trying to describe, like, it's good to be passionate very often, and it's, and wrestling is a fascinating world to learn about, but if you really wanted to get deeply into it, most of these worlds are populated by obsessive people. And obsessive people will do strange things, and strange actions will lead to fascinating events and stories. And that's what a lot of... Like, the backstage world of wrestling seems more fascinating than really what is being it's told on the screen a lot of the time. Yeah. Especially like, like the 80s, like, 90s stuff. Mental. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... In many ways, wrestling became more fascinating once you realised not only that it was a fake, but, like, what goes into keeping it up, you know? But I think sometimes, like I said, I think that the fascination becomes misdirected, you know? And it's like, whether it's people obsessing over TV ratings or talking about ratings or 
or wanting to act like they know everything and challenging Dave Meltzer on then not on his knowledge and then Dave Meltzer taking the bait every fucking time or if it's people causing damn near riots in a McDonald's because they ran out of session <laughs> oh, sauce or it's um whenever there's a TV or film adaptation of a book it's like, yeah, but why don't they have this bit in? Or why don't they have this bit in? Or, oh, but they skipped that, and that's not the same. Or because, like I said, there's nothing based on original ideas anymore. You're having to adapt material from decades ago, and you're trying to fit it into a more multicultural open society, and a lot of man-children get really upset about that. Yeah. Or there are like times where they've just like completely like they've gone oh yeah this is based off the book but then completely have mucked around with it like the artemis fowl disney adaptation it's a balancing act yeah. that's not sometimes the fans are right sometimes the fans are wrong and you've got to have the courage of your convictions but the thing is um, now that's why, because well, you, think, you like, can find even if you have an extreme opinion within wrestling so like women shouldn't main event pay-per-view say you had that opinion even if you get shouted down by the majority, you will find enough people in the world to, to go, well, I am right. Look, all these other people agree with me. Yeah. You, you and that's terrifying. The Vince Russo podcast. Yeah. That's what you do. Um, I don't know if it's terrifying. I think it, can, it depends on how, where they take it. You know, obviously, the most extreme example in recent times being what happened to Sonya Deville. Terrifying. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Terrifying is maybe the wrong word. Double, that's, it's that's a double-edged terrifying. sword. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but it always existed. I think sometimes, again, people people like to make out as if this world is unique and, and special. They've always been nut jobs, and they've found ways of getting to each other as long as there's been a print. It's not press. unique or special. What it is is vastly accelerated. Well, I guess. But when you look at history, you kind of it's kind of crazy how quickly some things happen over a short period of time. You know, like the Beatles and just modern history. The Beatles. Bought, you know, were born and died within the time that you would spend in school. You know, the Sex Pistols were born and died within the time you'd be at university. Same with the Spice Girls. But no, I'm not. I'm not talking. In a, and I'm not talking in a dynastic sense. I'm talking in the sense of. So if there was a band that had that universal like ability, like ability of the Beatles now, and they started out in a. What, are we talking about the, the Richard Curtis film yesterday? Is that what we're talking about? Kind of, yeah. So if you take that premise... <laughs> that was bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you, but if you took that premise and say a band played the O2 Academy in Leicester, which can like hold up to 500 people, and enough people had their camera phones and they like tweeted and shared and stuff like that, the amount of people that would be able to hear this stuff in like that is mental. And that's why, like, that's why great things like the uh, Arab Spring can happen and why horrible, horrible things like QAnon and, like, oh, finding out where people live can happen. Well, that's where I want to get to because, like, when when I say why are we still wrestling fans, it's kind of on two, like I said, it's on two levels. The other level is, like, especially for the British scene and the Irish scene, so many revelations happened in recent times about some people that you admired, some people you didn't necessarily admire, but enough people to make you feel very sick. And I was never, like I said, as we kind of made clear in the 
David Starr, Jordan Devlin match. We had a limited amount of knowledge because we neither of us had really dived into the Brit rest scene. But like I said, there was a movement. There was a whole scene about this that had people excited for years. And then the corporate giants came in and kind of killed it off for their own purposes. And we're still feeling the ripple effects of that at this point. It becomes that question of can you love the hate the player, don't hate the game, I guess. Sometimes it's art arts and sometimes it you know it's sports and this is the cross section between the two just knowing that there's been an atmosphere that has made a lot of people feel not safe and even if you didn't contribute to it you didn't not contribute to it either if that makes sense like you you were a part you weren't a part of the solution silence is being complicit is what you're saying well, it's not if you if you don't know, you know. Well, okay, let's make this personal without getting into names and everything. There's a person that we both know through the way that we got into, uh, we became friends through a group. And I considered him a friend. I don't know if you did. That person was a frustrating person to be around at times. And they did things I didn't agree with, but they never hurt me or, or made me feel terrible. And then I found out, not through any of his, and I don't, I guess you'd call them victims. It, it's it's dicey because this is making him sound like what he did is not of the scale of what like a lot of wrestlers have recently got in trouble for. But he's done enough things that made me feel that this is someone you didn't. This isn't anyone you want to associate with. I didn't want him in my life, so I just I ghosted him essentially. I don't, I don't. I guess you kind of dropped out because you went to university and you never really came back into that world anyway that we we shared. Um, we kept our friendship through online, really, and um, and then through this, essentially. Yeah. Like we've met each other like maybe two times in the last ten years. It's quite crazy, isn't it? Really, and we're not and we're not that far away from each other either. That's the craziest thing. And so, I couldn't. I didn't know any of his. Well, I knew one of the people that. Well, I knew his wife, and she separated from him for reasons that I found out. And they actually—that actually wasn't the the breaking point. But then, uh, because it was just kind of he said, she said, and it was it was not a direct thing. Like, but then I just found out through a mute, through one of our other friends in the group that he, okay, he was sending dick pics to women that he knew in his job, and just random people. And he was kind of sending it to anyone. He was going after everyone at all times, whether he was in a relationship or whether he was married or whatever. And at that point, I just stopped being around him. I didn't go to anything. I I can't. I think I'd left the group. I can't remember now if I, I'd left the group for a while to take some time off. Anyway, I can't remember if I returned to it or not. But I just I, I dropped it out of my life. I didn't talk to him. He saw me on a train station at one point. I was texting me, and it was the classic thing. He got the blue ticks, but he was getting no reply. And that was it for me. And it was also it for the group as well. He got kicked out of his own group that he started, essentially. Um, but it was up. Like, it was a part. Of, it was a chapter of my life. And the thing is, like, we would meet up on Mondays, and those Mondays were some of my favorite things happening in my life at that time. If I, if I hadn't had those Mondays, I wouldn't have done the wrestling show. If I hadn't had those Mondays, I wouldn't have met you. If I hadn't met the, had those Mondays, I wouldn't have met some. Two two other of my closest friends that I have, you know, and so there's so many good things that came with that. Knowing that he was what he was, it didn't. 
it doesn't make the memories hurt because they weren't always that that much around his own actions. It was kind of the things that he initiated, and uh, they were kind of in not in mostly in spite of him, not because of him. And this is the thing: he's not like he's not he's not a murderer. He's not anything like that. Just a creep who, to the best of my knowledge, just tries it on with everyone. Now, then, it's like a thing of should I have then tried to do? I didn't really know any of his victims. I really didn't. Like it was, it was like I said, it was through a friend. It wasn't any of the victims telling me. It was one of the victims telling a friend who told me. So you found out secondhand. Yeah, well, thirdhand, I guess. Yeah, secondhand, I guess. Um, and I didn't know anyone that was involved in it firsthand. So there's only so what can I do? You know, it's not my place to say don't send. Well, maybe I could have just said don't send dick pics to people you twat or something like that. I didn't do that, but I don't know how that would have helped. But then there's a risk of, like, exposing people to, like, more aggro. Well, maybe aggro, but also maybe just... I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think to do it. I didn't think it was my place to do it. It's a balancing act. It it really is. And I I think, in terms of the situation you've described, I think you did the best you could. Uh, Because... And you don't... uh, Because one of the things... It's very difficult, because you could end up, like, taking over someone's doing more harm than good to a person by, like, shining a light on it, like, not from them. It, it's, it's a very, very awkward thing. Obviously, if there was, like, a, a, a pressing element of real physical danger or mental, long-term mental anguish, then you've got to shine the light. But in that, in that area... Like I said, I've seen no, I've no, no evidence of what he does going to a physical front. And if I'd have seen that, I would, have, I would like to think I would have done something. You don't know. You don't know. You'd have to. You are. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to think you'd do something in that scenario. And so it's like so many things I'm into. You know, I love wrestling, and then finding out so many women uh, and other people within wrestling uh, have suffered. Well, you talked about Woody Allen earlier. Yeah, Woody Allen. I mean, I, I wrote a whole fucking play about it. Uh, I don't know if it will ever see the light of day, but um, Woody Allen, some great filmmakers, some great singers, and it's that whole thing of, and it's like. Well, let's let's okay. For example, let's talk about the Louis C.K. situation. And everyone was saying, "Oh, when does he get to come back?" You know, when like what what's what's cancel culture? And it was like, I don't know when the right amount of time for him to come back would be, but it wasn't fucking ten months. I know that much, which was when he started doing it. Ultimately, the culture, like you said, there's enough people out there that Louis C.K. will make a good living out of his for you know for the rest of his life. He will be fine. I actually bought. His, one of his most recent special kind of as much of a curiosity I was thinking of, I've had these ideas of doing stuff online maybe about comedy as well as like I do about wrestling maybe in the future watch this space but I couldn't even watch like I just watched him coming out to a round of applause and a standing ovation and I was like I can't watch that I can't comprehend that like he's been given a like a reception similar to what Daniel Bryan got when he returned from injury you know it's not it's not the same thing. And uh, so, like, with the wrestling scene now, it's like... Okay, this is the way I'd look at it. I, I don't want to think that I was part of a culture that made other people feel bad about themselves, you know? And when you look at what so much of wrestling was in the... Or exposed people to risk beyond... Obviously beyond, like, the normal risk in wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's a backstage element, but I mean, I mean, like, well, Ron Funch has said it's hard to watch a show that at some point along the way will say this isn't really for you. 
you're not really entirely welcome here. You know, it's like that whole thing about everything being filmed through the male gaze. Um, and all those, like, so much of what, what it is, it's like, is people giving, being given permission. I've never been made to feel like I'm not welcome at a football ground. But I know, like, when, when they're singing songs, like, when I see a football, when I see, like, um, a, a footballer that retired a few years ago, um, getting homophobic stuff yelled at him by fans on my side like them shaking their asses about yeah, are you referring to Thomas Hitzelsberger no 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 this was before this is uh I'm talking about Matthew Upson oh uh, I was just trying to remember it as much as anything it's just there were rumours at yeah. the time it's like Ray Masso you know Robbie Fowler bloody did that and I think he said that David Beckham said shit to him on the pitch as well at one point so it's the idea that I was part of I, I was part of a world that made other people feel like they weren't welcome yeah and I don't want to be part of that but I didn't do anything to alleviate it but is it my place to do how do I how do I do that and I didn't necessarily know but ignorance isn't an is ignorance isn't uh, an excuse either it's not a know? defense the way that they presented women on wrestling in the in the noughties... I can't lie that I didn't I didn't find most of them attractive and I didn't find some of it enjoyable, but at the same time I knew it was degrading. There's a scene where I can tell I would have watched it through two separate lens had I seen it the first time round live. It's I cannot remember the SummerSlam if it's O five or O six. Oh, is it the Layla thing? Uh in the shower. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is that. So they're like, oh, hi, Layla, you're a diva now. Here's your initiation. And they all, like, get in the shower and start... Behave in a way that no women have ever behaved when a man's not been telling them what to do. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I I, I saw it for the first time round at the, like, within the last 18 months. Um, I, I know that as a teenager, I've gone, this is mint. But now I'm like... Mm-hmm. It's not the worst thing in the world for a woman who wants to present herself as attractive and like maybe you know if if some of those women enjoyed doing it that's fine you know yeah. and that's what they wanted but it was like that was the only option they had yes you know? that's the that's the that's the main thing it's like seeing Tommy Dreamer in one shoot interview basically saying to Mickey James without saying to her you've got to spend thousands of dollars on breast enlargements if you want to get into the WWE's main roster I remember Mickey James Mickey James is probably one of the most talented females ever and she's crying to me on the phone how come they're not calling me up calling me up calling me up and i was like mickey you need to look at the girls what they have and what you don't and i couldn't tell her that she needed boobies but she got boobies and they called her up that's what he said to her without saying it you know and and like I, I said back in the wrestling show, you know, you didn't have to take piss tape, piss tests for silicone, and that was a requirement just like the other one. But there was no, there's no social stigma to it really, or at least there wasn't at the time. Yeah, we we talked about doing a series where we I'm telling you about all these other spin off ideas. One idea we had was doing a series where we just follow a wrestler, follow their journey from start to as close as we got to finish. We talked about like Edge would be an interesting one to do. The Undertaker is an obvious example, or Triple H, or maybe someone that's gone across promotions more frequently. But I think Trish Stratus is one of the most fascinating ones to do it because you basically saw a woman have to earn her respect, and and she did it the fucking hard way, you know, in ways that other women have had to fight for. But again, it's like that 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 misunderstanding of history and thinking like. 
until we came along, no one was doing the right thing and we solved it. And it was like, no, people had to work fucking hard about it, you know? This has been a long time struggle and there'll be things that, that in the future that you won't believe we allowed to happen. There's stuff that is acceptable in society right now that in 10 years' time will be like, how the fuck did we let that happen? In plain, in plain sight. But I guess my point is that if we're, if, we're follow, if we're following something that's so morally reprehensible in so many ways, how can we justify it? And then it's like, we in kind of in order to work, live in society, you've got to deal with it. And it's like, how much do you let it get you down? You know? And I think the problem is a lot of the time... I think when people talk about cancelled culture, I think they're more talking about... Uh, they, they think everyone's trying to be cancelled, which is bullshit, because it's like, you can't say this anymore. You literally just said it. <laughs> you know, how have you been cancelled? Uh, the one is like, oh, uh, you're taking away my freedom of speech. No, you've still got to say it. I just get to say that I think it's stupid. And I think somewhere in your heart of hearts, you know it's stupid, because otherwise it wouldn't bother you, me saying how stupid it is. I feel... We have gone very like deep into like we've gone deep into everything. I don't know what yeah, this, this episode's a bit of a mess in all honesty. <laughs> uh, and dark, it's, it's kind of turned into a dark night of the soul, and it wasn't meant to be that because the whole point was meant to be we can still love wrestling because it is like because it's stories, it's art. Art exists to both highlight problems and keep you and uh, make you ignore problems. It, and it, this is the point I wanted to like bridge to with all that going on. Why are we still here? Because there's something in wrestling that literally cannot be replicated in any other art form, and I need it in my life in some way, shape, or form. And there is literally no other art form that can come close to it. Films can't match what wrestling does. Sport can't match what wrestling does. It offers a bit of both, but it's not that perfect cocktail. Because it sits in the never zone between the two. Yeah. It's something different. Yeah, it it gives me it gives me opera on a, on a it gives me opera and athleticism, it gives me emotions and it gives me um, awe and wonder. It gives me quick gratification. It gives me long slow burns. When it's good, it's it's a, it's such a, it's such a rush and it draws you in and it 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 melts away time. It brings you into a story to a narrative it gets you thinking and like about oh what could happen here and when it interweaves it sends you off in like different directions and like how different characters interplay with each other at the end of the day wrestling at its at its core and its essence is can still produce magic moments and make you feel like get swell you up in the moment let's speak about some of those magic moments so we're going to go with four Reasons that we're still wrestling fans, like like for Mount Rushmore moments, I guess. So, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Tell me what you go first. Okay, all right. So, the four moments I'm going to go for as to what give me hope as a wrestling fan, or what gave me enjoyment, or whatever. First one is going to be the actual growth into existence of AEW. Is everyone that works in AEW a perfect person? No, they're not. Is everything AEW does great? No, it's not. But it's something that really grew from the ground as close as it came. And then you had the good fortune of the son of a billionaire being able to do stuff with it. But it's term wrestling. It's given a new alternative in wrestling. It's created annoying people online that are like AEW fan 63 or something like that. But, you know, like I said, rough with the smooth. There's an option. There's something you can watch out there. And there's a friend of mine that doesn't like WWE. 
watches AEW and he's finally able to get into wrestling for the first time properly in like years for him because AEW is providing him something that Vince McMahon was never going to give because Vince McMahon's vision is obviously not conducive to his vision. So it's the idea of like, it's showing that wrestling is beyond what Vince McMahon wants it to be still. That you can do it without him. So yeah, AEW's existence essentially is a way to give you hope. It shows that wrestling is ever evolving and something will be there in 20 years time that will probably be at least an alternative to whatever it is that a 102 year old Vince McMahon is providing the people. The next one I'm going to go with is Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi receiving a standing ovation at the ringing of the bell of their G1 Climax match in Houston, Texas. It was unfortunately a fairly sparsely filled arena, but there were still like 8,000 people there in a completely country almost on the other side of the world. And because of the matches those guys had across the world, it had changed what could get 8,000 fans into an arena. And it ushered in essentially maybe, at least in the eyes of Dave Meltzer, maybe the best wrestling of all time, arguably, from one promotion. And them getting rewarded to it just for even coming out. They didn't have a five-star match in that moment. But they had a five-star experience for the work that they put in. You know? The next one I'm going to go with is the Sasha banks Bailey match at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Because it was kind of the perfect culmination of what wrestling could be. And it was a story that would appeal to some fans that never really had wrestling aimed towards them by a WWE product before, you know? the That was a story told that hadn't been told before in the WWE in that way for those people. And they did it perfectly. They nailed it. Um, that is like... That is up there. I think that match is up there with Austin Bret Hart, with um, Undertaker Mankind. To a certain group of fans, that will mean as much to them as those matches did. As, as Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, you know? And just seeing it work and, and go perfectly. Uh, and the last one I'm going to go with is kind of, it's, a, it's almost the, the night is darkest before the dawn. It is the online movements that led to, hopefully will lead to changes. It's Give Divas a Chance... It's speaking out. It's Daniel Bryan when he doesn't get the Royal Rumble win. It's like showing that fans, if you orchestrate it right, can change things for the better. Even if it, in some instances, reveals an ugly truth that's there at the moment. Speaking speaking out is kind of in it. It's, it's still in its infancy. Yeah, fabulous Moolah. Speaking out is still in its infancy, but I feel like you can't fully go back. Because unless Twitter gets destroyed, that's the thing, it's like for everything bad that comes from Twitter, so many good things have come from it as well. It's like, it's the thing, the thing about the internet is that everyone gets a voice. You know what's really annoying? Everyone gets a voice. You know? So, it's the best of times, worst of times, essentially. That's the weird thing. Like, it was obvious that there were shitty things going on in locker rooms for decades but now, more than ever, people are being called out on it in that time and place, in that modern frame. And it can some things hopefully can be done about it instead of it being, well, that was a shame mm. after, the, after it happened. You know, you know what I mean? Yes, like, I know what you mean. There's a desire to make things better. There's a groundswell 
and hopefully it's that whole thing of you know the line the line the line of history is long but it bends towards justice yeah you know eventually and I, eventually you would hope so those are my four Simon where are you going with yeah. well, well you've gone for like sort of cultural impact and I've sort of gone a different way with this so this but all be, affected this be... me as well in that moment you know yeah. it's given me hope in some different some way shape or form each of those moments gave me personally hope yeah uh, my first moment, stroke series of moments, I'd say, the Daniel Bryan title chase in the run-up to WrestleMania 30. Um, just pure babyface. Everyone was into it. Does the fact that the story wasn't told perfectly because it wasn't the story that one guy was telling until we forced them to? That makes it better in a way. Weirdly. But it's like on a front that we appreciate because we're watching that. Like, it, Yeah. We got like what we story. wanted from that crazy old man. Yeah, that's the thing with wrestling now. Like the story is being told on two levels now. It's being told on the surface level, and it's being told on all oh, this what happened backstage and everything. Like two different levels of wrestling fans. But the, but like the ones that just watch it week in week out and don't tweet must be confused as fuck at half of it. You had so many like moments in that where the crowd sort of like lost their minds from Daniel Bryan beating Cena at SummerSlam. To Daniel Bryan, like, uh, attacking Bray in the cage after, like, infiltrating the Wyatt family. Uh, Occupy Raw. Like, all those, like, nearly moments. And it's just like, oh. They, they, they built up to it perfectly. Wasn't their intention at the start. But we got what we wanted. And, the, and they salvaged it as well, obviously. They, they, they could have ignored us. But they didn't. They couldn't. And it was beautiful. Um, the second one, for personal reasons, and I've already alluded to it, um, and I'd probably say it was close to my, like, apex in terms of being a WWE fan, not necessarily a wrestling fan, uh, attending WrestleMania 32. Even though, and this is, like, such an, like, annoying, like, moment, like, oh, well, we haven't got X, we haven't got Seth, we haven't got Cesaro, we haven't got blah, blah, blah. Like, the injury list going into that mania was chronic. Um... And was it the best WrestleMania in history? No. Does it have personal meaning to me? Yes. The moment I walked into the AT&T Stadium, they achieved their goal. They awed me. I was, like, blown away. The moment I heard the glass smash, that was, like, euphoric. When The Rock came out... Was that you see... If there was, like, a movie of your life, do you suddenly... The, the child actor that was hired to play you in the early sections just shares a look with the grown-up you? Yeah. And, you, and you're connected. Nailed it. You've nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, the, the beauty of watching uh, TakeOver Dallas as well. Like, that was such a... Like, because that gave me the other world. Oh, that was one with Shinsuke Nakamura's debut, wasn't it? That's why that match means so... Nakamura's A match means so much to me. One of the many reasons. So, essentially, is it the whole weekend? Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, Access, I could do without the second time, but... <laughs> and the Hall of Fame, I could have done without that, but... It was just, it was pure and it was lovely. I met so many like-minded people. Um, unlike online, a lot of them were nice. <laughs> a lot, actually, all of them were nice. Well, that's what you got to remember. That's what you remember. Twitter is not the world. Yeah. Um, it was just beautiful. I was like, it was immersed. I was, I was fully immersed and it was lovely. The third one, it sounds a bit self-serving to say it in the way I'm going to say it, but I couldn't think of a better way to say it. Um, our five-star match project. And it's sort of 
it's it's more in a sense of it's a more reflective version of your AEW point because obviously like not all of WWE's back catalogue is good read King Mabel but what you've got is I now know about Jumbo Saruta I know now about so much more about Misawa and Kabashi I've seen Furnace and Crawford I've seen uh, Tiger Mask didn't necessarily like like the, the the first Tiger Mask match in question but I've seen it I've seen matches from ECW. I've seen matches from AAA. I've seen Ring of Honor matches. I've I've gone outside my comfort zone so much, and it's just, it has broadened my mind. So when I say the five star matches as a moment for me, I really mean the wider world of wrestling from someone who was like suckled on the teat of WWE. If you see what I mean. And my favourite ever one, I, I, I know we didn't tear these, but this is my favourite ever one. It's a moment that occurred not even at a wrestling taping, outside a wrestling taping. Uh, outside the O2 in London, formerly the Millennium Dome, there was a moment for where reasons known only to themselves, fans started holding their own wrestling match. And it was sort of like in the school fight circle style as the ring. And, like, they, they hit finishes on each other. Like, no one kicked out. Everyone, like, took pinfalls and, like, you know, put wow. each other over. Brother, didn't, brother. Didn't kick out. <laughs> uh, and there was a moment where I just saw a kid who couldn't be no more than seven being passed over the top of the crowd, sort of rock star style, <laughs> holding in his hand a Money in the Bank briefcase. And the crowd <laughs> all catch it. And they all just start going, he's cashing in, he's cashing in. The guy, someone at the front places the kid in the circle. The guy who's pinned the last guy, so it's like winner stays on sort of thing, is there. Um, Turns around, sees him, takes the briefcase shot like a champ. And the crowd, obviously, uh, he pins him, the crowd go wild. And they, they obviously sort it out, so obviously he doesn't actually take anything. He just disappears into the ether, and then they start again. And that moment for that kid is simply euphoric. And it's one of those moments where it's like, that's what it is. It's the suspension of disbelief. It's letting that child in you think that in this crazy world that's real but not real, that's like a combat sport, but an undead zombie went undefeated at the biggest show for like t- two decades. It's this weird synergy. It's this weird little other thing, as we've mentioned. And it can make a child feel like like that. And the child within us still feel like that. And that's the point. It's, it's so... The moments like that. I've always thought, uh, I don't want to be a wrestler in a ring. I'd love if the opportunity presented itself to like maybe have a go at creative or like writing and as a pos- as a like a god tier bucket list moment if i could see something i've written make a child feel that way that'd just be beautiful and it happened in this all organic moment no one wrote that it was all improvised and it's beautiful <laughs> So, yeah, to, to recap, Daniel Bryan's total chase, the WrestleMania I attended, five-star matches and learning there's a whole big world out there coming off the WWE cloak, and 
a kid hitting a grown man who should know better in the face of a briefcase. Well, that has been... I, I don't think we can really... I don't want to do a definitive one from that because it's so personal, you know? So it's oh, just, I'm not surrendering It's anymore. just our own thing. Yeah. yeah. So, so that is... That was a hell of a thing, um, a hell of a show, and a hell of an episode. And a 200th one as well, Simon. Uh, I don't know if we'll be around for 400. Hopefully so. I mean... That'll be in literally, if we're doing our jobs right, that'll be in 200 weeks' time. So it'll be a lot sooner than what we've done previously. Um, and so obviously we're now going into what the shows will be going forward. We're not going to do one of these one-hour metaphysical, what the fuck are we talking about kind of episodes all sorts. Uh, every week. Putting the world to rights. We can possibly do that. Um, so what we are doing instead is we are talking, uh, we're going to do one of our new series. What we will put up is our first ever Match of the Week episode. And we decided we'd go old school, or at least I decided we'd go old school, because it was my pick, first of all. And so what we're going to watch first, what we watched and recorded, to break kayfabe as it were, is a match between Lou Fez and Buddy Rogers... For the NWA World Heavyweight Championship at the International Amphitheater in Chicago. There's a video that goes for 36 minutes and 25 seconds on YouTube from the uh, Chicago Film Archives Presents Wrestling from Chicago. That's the YouTube video. We'll probably put a link to it on the Facebook and Twitter and everything. If you fancy watching along with us. So we're going to see a very different wrestling to what you're used to. No star ratings for this one. (laughs) <laughs> no colour either. No colour. Well, there might be some blading. I don't know. I can't remember. But, you know, you, you so much of what we talk about of wrestling, we kind of talk about... It's like how with football, so often it seems like football only started in the 1992-93 season after a pre-season warm-up in Italy in 1990. Um, so this is a pre-1984 Hulk Hogan taking the title from the Iron Sheik and Ric Flair taking the title from Harley Race pro wrestling. Um, and it's it was a fascinating watch. And hopefully we had a fascinating discussion. At the very least, it was a shorter discussion than the one we just had. So you got that to look forward to, if nothing else. Uh, but if you want to get in touch with us, the show email address is lmtyspod at gmail.com. LMTYSpod is also on our Facebook and Twitter. And if you feel like donating to the show now with our Patreon page, then you can very much do that for us to help us keep the lights on. That's patreon.com slash lmtyspod. Become a donor. You can become a Grapple fan, a member of the Click, or a commissioner if you're so inclined. Uh, my name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Aristotle. N for Nietzsche, but that's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox, to put at gmail.com at the end of it. That's my email address. Buy my book, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. Simon, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, people get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the number of time, well, yeah, the number of time, the number of minutes, actually, it took me to like drinking all of the AT&T Stadium at WrestleMania 32. <laughs> Massive well, it is. Well, hopefully we'll not analyse the wrestling fan or ourselves as much as... I mean, to be fair, the last time we did that, we went three hours when there was three of us. So, 
you know, be thankful for small mercies. Um, we'll be back to just talking about good old wrestling, and we'll try and keep the politics and everything else out of it if we can. But you know, what 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 is life, man? Oh God, no! <laughs> oh, what is life like a wrestling match, man? No, but anyway, just because until... you've got long hair, you've gone all like naked. Yeah, maybe I need to shave it all off, maybe. But until then, my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time. It's the best. People try to make you feel stupid for liking it. They're always like, hey, you know that thing you love with the pageantry (laughs) and the fireworks and the golden belts. It's fake. (laughs) And I'm supposed to be like, oh, no. You've ripped my world asunder. (laughs) I guess I'll just watch House now. (laughs) 